Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky i am dean linky proud to host the united soccer coaches podcast presented by league apps and even prouder to know that united soccer coaches advocates for all everyone no matter your color, your sexual orientation, it does not matter. United Soccer Coaches has its doors open, arms wide open for everybody. February is Black History Month. There is still a lot of work to do to make sure that we continue to be inclusive, we continue to fight racism, we continue to be about love and respect. Because it's Black History Month and because the Black Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group just celebrated 25 years, we are going to turn over the keys for the first couple segments of the next three weeks, including today's show, to Nicole Hercules, who is the chair of the Black Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group for United Soccer Coaches and more importantly, is using her voice to make a difference every day. That includes for underprivileged kids in the Rochester area where she lives, and that includes every day for United Soccer Coaches. She is going to be joined by some outstanding leaders, outstanding black coaches, and black athletes. Nicole Hercules will start the show this week with Kia McNeil, the super successful head coach at Brown in the Ivy League, where she's won back-to-back Ivy League titles, the former player at Boston College and pro. She is awesome with a great message. Nicole Hercules is not done there, as she then is joined by not one, but two black men who have had great success leading women's teams, Kadani McAlpine, who won a national championship at Southern Cal and recently took on a new challenge as the head coach of the Georgia women's soccer team. And how about Eric Bell, the job he's done at TCU, where they are just rolling year after year, making deep runs in the NCAA tournament. And you'll even hear Kadani tell Eric on this show that he is going to win a national championship soon. We mentioned we're all inclusive. When Nicole Hercules wraps up, I step back in courtesy of the newly formed United Soccer Coaches API Coaches and Allies Group, led by their esteemed chair, Ashu Saxena, and he brings us Kat Kosroyar, who's a research associate at the Baker Institute for Public Policy, Center of Energy Studies, Master of Global Affairs Candidate 22. She has played for the Iran women's national team, 
coached with them, coached with Rain FC, and she, along with Haley Carter, the chair of the Women's Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group for United Soccer Coaches, played a major role in getting most of the Afghanistan national team players out of Afghanistan recently. And we end our show by meeting another great member of our 30 Under 30 class, Colin Cohn, the head coach for Laterno University Men's Soccer in East Texas. That's our show. And like I said, it begins with a friendly and well-deserved takeover from the Black Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group leader, Nicole Hercules. And we get started after this message from our presenting sponsor, Lee Gaps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, and as I just said in the open, United Soccer Coaches for the rest of this month will celebrate Black History Month together, collectively, unified with a purpose, and we do that with one of the strong voices out there, Nicole Hercules is a superstar. She chairs the Black Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group. As I mentioned earlier, she's done so much for underprivileged kids in the Rochester area. She has a voice and we are listening. And Nicole Hercules kicks us off with Kia McNeil. Take it away, Nicole. Thank you so much, Dean. I want to thank you and United Soccer Coaches. Again, my name is Nicole Hercules. I am the chair of the Black Advocacy Group, and we are taking over today. As Dean mentioned, we're dedicating the next three weeks to the Black Soccer Coaches Group. So starting us out today is the amazing, the prestigious, the outstanding Kia McNeil, who won three high school championships, was named State Player of the Year, a two-time NSCA All-American, a former Boston College standout, a Big East Rookie of the Year, a superstar professional player of the Women's Professional Soccer League and the National Women's Soccer League, a two-time Coach of the Year, two-time Staff of the Year, two-time League Champion with Brown University. Without further ado, we have with us today, Kia McNeil. <laughs> Thank you for that intro. That was wonderful. <laughs> it's so, I mean, you've done so much. I could probably go on forever, but I mean, we had to stop there. We couldn't, we I, couldn't I do think, the whole bio. I think I forgot about some of those. So <laughs> you went you way went back way in the day. Back, way, way, way back. Well, <laughs> Kia, again, we love having you on here today. We love all the things that you're doing. Um, you represent our group so well, but I really wanted to speak to you. You know, you've had so much success over your career playing and now as a coach, you know, what does it mean to you to be working in an Ivy League school? Well, first, I guess, I guess I'll take it back a little bit. When this job opened up at Brown, like six, six years ago, six plus years ago, you know, I actually was thinking that I, I didn't want to work at an Ivy League school. And um, that was largely because I I have a, a brother who went to an Ivy League institution, a cousin who who went to an Ivy League institution. They were both student athletes there. And, and just as African-American men, they, they really struggled to really find their place, to feel included. And so to be honest, I, I thought it was a place that 
that I didn't want to be either. And so I kind of sat back and thought about it and said I could I could either look at the problem and not do anything about it, or I can kind of get myself into that scene to try to do something about it and, and try to change the the culture and and make this more a more inclusive place for people who look like me. And so that's exactly what I've done. So I think that's the incredible part of, of coming in and working at an Ivy League school, working at Brown. The administration here has been extremely supportive of me and this program. You know, obviously our success speaks, speaks for itself. We've, we've won the Ivy League back in 2019. And again, this past year in 2021, you know, I think we're returning a really strong roster to potentially do it again in 2022. And, you know, we're really building some Something special here. So, so it's been great to be a part of. And I guess, Kia, my next question for you is because I've watched your team play and they're so fun to watch. You by far have the most diverse team in the Ivy League. Why do you think that is? And what does that do for you, your players and for the rest of the league? I think it's a couple things. Like I think one is that I'm giving student athletes an opportunity that I don't think a lot of coaches are. When we're going through the recruiting process, there's a lot of coaches that will say, club coaches that will say, oh, she's not, she's not Ivy League material or she's she's probably not for you, but this one is. And I'll go back to that individual student athlete and I'll say, hey, send me your transcript. And they have all A's and B's. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there's a lot of inherent bias that even some of these club coaches might have. Maybe they don't even know that they have that bias, but I think that Mm -hmm. they do. And I think my staff and I, we try to dig a little deeper to to not just go by word of mouth or what club coaches are recommending or not recommending. You know, we'll try to dive deeper and go straight to the student athlete and try to, you know, get their transcripts, get their test scores and really see, you know, are they a fit for Brown? Are they a, a fit for this institution? And I think a lot of people will end the conversation right there when they hear like, oh, she's not Ivy League material, but that's not the case, you know? And um, so I think one is just giving, diving a little bit deeper to give people an opportunity. But I also think, you know, I've had players and I've had parents sit in my office and say, I want my daughter to play for you. And I, I think a lot of it is because I've walked in their shoes. I've obviously been through college myself. I've played at the highest levels. And then I know what it's like, even for myself, I know what it's like to be at a predominantly white institution. And I know how isolating that can be in some instances. And, and that, you know, it's not about just diversifying your team. It's about giving them the support they need while they're here too. So I think they know that they're going to be in good hands when they they pass their daughter along here and to carry out their career. So I think there's a couple things. I think it's it's people seeking me out. And I think that alone just says that we need more specifically Black women coaching and, and in leadership positions. But I think it's also you know, me giving people opportunity too. So I think it's twofold on both sides. How do you think that makes your play? Because I, I watched your your team play and for your players, there, there's this unity, there's this, and I know a lot of it comes from you and the amazing person you are and the dynamic that you create, that family dynamic. What does that do for your players to be on a diverse team? I think it's incredible. I mean, our team has diversity from, you know, all, all speaks of the word too people who we have all ranges of economic status. We have all ranges of sexual orientation, all different races, religions, backgrounds. And, you know, I really feel like my team is is almost like a microcosm of what this world is and, mm. and what it should be. So I, I think it's extremely empowering. I think it's extremely educational. You know, you can't fault people for not growing up around diversity, but, you know, when, when you have this opportunity to be a part of a team and really learn about different cultures, different backgrounds, different people, 
people, like that's something that you should really embrace. And I think as a team, we're, we're a really close knit group as a coach. Like I'm, I'm somebody I've walked these shoes as these players. Like I was a young woman in college. I know it's the most formative years of your life. And I know how much you can grow as a, as a person and as a player during these years. So I think they see my commitment and my passion towards helping their personal growth. And I really think my players want to run through a wall for me because they know that I would do the same thing for them. You're so authentic and so genuine. So that that's, I mean, I can't, I would love to play for you. I got to rewind time and, and get on Kia's team. Kia, you have turned this Brown University team into a winning program. Can you just tell us about the past couple of years? Because you've just had, as you spoke about earlier, some great success. Tell us about what that's been like for you. It's definitely been a transition. You know, when I came here to Brown initially six years ago, this this team, they really didn't know, they didn't know what their potential was. They didn't really, they weren't thinking big picture. And so I think a big thing when I first came in was just to like inspire them and motivate them and really challenge them to really push for their potential and not be scared to fall short of that potential. But, you know, if you put your all into something and you fall a little bit short, at least you said, Hey, I did everything I can. But if you're not putting your all into something and you fall short, I think that's tough to sleep at night. You know, if you're not putting your all into something. So I think initially it was just about giving this team a a belief and inspiration and motivation. And then, so the 2019 year when we won for our first time in several years, I think, I think that was just a, a point where we could, where we proved like, Hey, we can do this. And it was almost more meaningful to come back in 2021, especially after the pandemic and the adversity we faced there, not, not having a true season in 2020 to come back and win again and be undefeated in the conference going seven and zero because I think that just showed that we have sustained success. I think some people maybe looked at our 2019 season and said, you know, Oh, it was luck or they had a one-off year, but for us to come back, you know, literally two years later and, and have an equally as good, if not better season than, than in 2019, that just shows that we're building something really special here and building something sustainable too. Kia, the thing is, it's not, not only just in the sport of soccer, but I just mean in general, because I think a lot of times because we play the beautiful game and it's the world's game and everyone plays it and everyone loves it. I think sometimes we set an amazing example. It's just like your team does of what the world can look like. So let's say, let's talk about how and why diversity and represent, representation matters. I think in the women's game, there's only what at this time, three black female coaches, yourself, Marsha and Denisha. Am I, am I right with that? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, and that's correct. And obviously it's an honor to be one of the three coaches, three black women coaches in the country, but it's honestly in some ways disheartening and, and I don't even know, like it's unacceptable. And, you know, this is 2022. If you're looking at how many, you know, black young women are playing the game and aspiring to play at the next level, they're not being coached by people who look like them. They're not, there's not really not a lot of people that even they can look to as people that they want to be. And even when I was growing up, like, you know, I was like, I was looking at Brianna Scurry, like being like, Mm -hmm. wow, she did it. So I can too. And I think, you know, see it to be it is real. Like it, it really is. And I don't think that people understand how impactful it is to have somebody in a leadership position, whether that's coaching, whether that's administration, whether that's a referee, you know, it, it really does mean a lot to be able to see somebody in that position. And I think even for me, I don't realize how meaningful it is for my players. And it's interesting because I think a couple of them were interviewed a couple of years ago during Black History Month. And it was even like 
you know, kind of tear jerking for me to, to read some of the things that they were saying about like how motivational it is for them to, to be playing for a coach who, who looks like them. So I think even for me, like sometimes I take it for granted, but I know that I wouldn't be in this, in this position if it weren't for literally like maybe the one or two people that I was looking up to growing up. And, and so I feel like for me, like I'm trying to just break down barriers and, and make sure that people see that this is a career path for them and that, that, you know, we need more, more women and black women and, you know, coaching at the, in the game at the highest level. I think that's a phenomenal, Kia. And I, it's a testament to your humility that you are who you are. You've done the work that you've done and you still don't realize kind of the impact that you're having. You know, we were just at convention and you weren't able to make up but Marsha Harper. To kind of see the young girls and how they looked at her as a head coach, you know, the same way that people look at you. Like we highlight you a lot because there are a lot of people coming up who are looking at you and they're seeing your success. They're seeing how practical you are, how professional you are, and you're inspiring them. Just like you know, Marsha said the same thing you did. She wasn't aware, you know, yeah. so she just wants to be more accessible now. And Denisha, I'm coming after you next. You know, yeah. it's just one yeah. of those things where you yeah. guys are so important to our culture. I was talking to Lauren and I was asking him, does anyone even know who the first black female coach was ever? I don't know who that was. Yeah, no, I, do I, don't, know? I don't think anyone does. I don't, I don't know either. I'm sure it wouldn't be too hard to find out. No, we're going to find <laughs> out. But like we were, we were asking because it's our, it was our 25th year and we were trying mm-hmm. to figure out who the first black female coach was. Right. And so we have some, we're putting some feelers out. We're going to find out. De- maybe Dean can help us too, but we yeah. want to find out who the first black female coach was because we don't know. And that's part of the problem with uh, why it's important to see diversity and representation because we didn't get to see it in coaches. You know, right. I know a long time ago we spoke about like, people that we looked up to. And for me, it was like Pat Summit, you know, yeah. and as, as a player, I had to look at Charmaine Hooper. You know, we didn't have a, a field player in my day, um, right. Brianna Scurry, but representation matters that much. Yes, it really does. And um, again, like see it to be it is so important for these student athletes. And I, and like I said, I just, I just feel like my team, they have like a different type of passion that they play with because they can look at me and say like, Hey, she's done it. So I can too. Or, or she, you know, she's really looking out for me or she's got my best, best interest at heart. And again, I think there's a lot of people who look at, look at, you know, diversity and inclusion efforts and think you can throw money at it or think like, Oh, I, I recruited this player to my team. Like, great. We're we're diverse now, but it's so much more than that. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. you really got to like support these student athletes too, and, and really make efforts to make them feel included. Um, especially, I think, especially in the Ivy league and and at these predominantly white institutions. Oh, I love that. Because I think it's, it's people think when you think diversity and representation, that it just means that it's going to impact that black community or whatever community it is, but it impacts everybody. It mm-hmm. impacts every, everybody positively. Are you seeing the important changes as far as diversity and representation in the NCAA or what, what do you think still needs to be done? I think diversity and inclusion efforts were were really highlighted in 2020 with everything that was going on with our country. And I, and I think everybody tried to make a little bit more of like a concerted effort, but I do feel like in some ways that was like a splash in the pan for that moment. And I think people need to remember that you know, this is, this is our lives. You know, a lot of times people want to obviously like highlight 
highlight and recognize people during Black History Month, but like this, this it's it's not even about the history of of our people is something that I live every single day. And so it is, it obviously is nice to have Black History Month to recognize that. But I think people need to remember that this is, this isn't something where it's just a day or a month for us. This is, this has been 30, 35 years for me and, you know, even longer for my parents and even longer for the Black people in this country too. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's definitely been some efforts made just to, I guess, be more aware of how certain things might make people feel or or being more inclusive in their efforts you know even here with the Ivy League we started an Ivy Justice Coalition where where we're trying to do different things on campuses to educate our teams you know a big thing that everybody said is you know we need to be better about educating ourselves so even for us as a team like you know we've we've read books together as a as a team and then had discussion groups to kind of highlight you know common themes of the books or things that stood out for us in the book so i think a big part of it is just educating yourself and educating yourself on on black history and and you know really kind of stepping out of your shoes and, and potentially putting yourself in somebody else's shoes for a moment and and kind of seeing things from a different vantage point so I think if anything that's that's where things are headed people are trying to educate themselves more but I just I just don't know that we we like making small efforts like that can make up for hundreds of years you know what I mean yeah so, yeah. And I and I think being realistic to it, too, because I think there's so many folks that think it's going to happen in a year or two. It's a marathon. Mm-hmm. Right. And we all can play a role in what they could potentially look like to create positive changes in this landscape for all people who play this game. I'm so thankful for you and the work that you do because you're proactive. Oftentimes people can see that there's problems and that they'll overlook it. You know, yeah. you look directly at those issues and you're like, what can I do? You know, mm-hmm. let me get in here and do what I can to make things better or to find a solution. So I'm right. always so appreciative of people who do that in their own world. You know, you don't have to necessarily step out and do things here or there. You're like, this is my lane. This is what I'm doing. This is the change that I'm going to impact with my team. So yeah. I'm always so greatly appreciative of those who do that work. Because many people, some people don't. I appreciate you for that. What does the future of the sport look like? How can we get all who are listening to be a part of positive change? I think that the future of this sport, and we're starting to see a little bit of it now, is I think in general, like we we need more 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 women coaching. I think we need more uh, <laughs> women, you know, having seats at the table at the CEO level, general managers of teams. And I think you're starting to see that a little bit more in the NWSL and and even in college coaching, slowly but surely. But I think I think that you know, obviously, if we're making up women's sports, I think that like there should be in general, you know, there should be women coaching women. Like we've we've we're the ones that have been in your the shoes we've done it we've walked that line and I think you know in general like we need to have more confidence going into you know head coaching situations or CEO situations and and not hold back you know I I think that one one big thing that I talk about consistently with my team is that you know this isn't high school anymore where I'm the teacher and you have to sit there and listen to me and, and, you know, what I say goes like, I want to foster discussion. I want you to use your voice. I want you to, you know, because again, this is, this is training you for the real world. So Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're going to be asked by your boss, Hey, what do you think about this? Like, you need to have an opinion. You need to speak Mm -hmm. up. So I think that's, that's one big thing that, you know, I definitely try to implement in my team is, is really have them like speak up. Like when we do video as a team, it's a conversation. It's not me 
you know, dictating to them what they need to do. When we have team meetings, it's not me dictating what they need to do. It's me, you know, fostering discussions and having conversations with them because I want, I want to empower them. I tell them, I was like, this is your team. This is your four years. This isn't my four years. So like make it what you want it to be. So I think, you know, in terms of like the future of, of the sport and, and women's soccer, I would just love to see more of my players or, or more players in general, like see this as a profession, first and foremost. I think a lot of people, you know, including myself, I don't I don't know that I saw coaching as like a long term profession. So I think that's first and foremost. And then, you know, I, I want them to see it as, you know, a, a a place where they can um, really see themselves to empower other young women and really um, give back to the game as well. So hopefully we're trying to lay a foundation where more women can kind of take the step up to, you know, to continue to lead some teams. Literally something just popped into my head and I want to do this. So I hope you're game for this. Okay. Because it's two black women on this first session. It's our first session of the black coaches takeover. Mm-hmm. And we don't even know who the first female head coach was black female head coach. Let's shout out all the black females in the sport that we can think of. I know we had a call with some black women. So I'm going to start with, let's make sure we shout them out. Let them know we appreciate the work we're doing. I'm going to go with the OG Carla Thompson. Oh, I love that. I'm going to go with my good friend, Tina Ellertson. Oh, I knew you were going there. Nikki Washington. I have to give a shout out to Denisha Adams. I'm so proud of yes. her. First time head coach now. Yes, my girl, uh, Marsha Harper. Sierra Taylor. Sierra. Nicole Tiggs. Alexandra Jackson. She's my, yes. mentee, my mentee for the 30 for 30. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Chelsea Palmer. And then we'll be able to add to this list. Maya Hayes, Maya Hayes. Oh, yes, Maya Hayes. Good, 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 good. So many people. Brianna Scurry, Angela Hughes. So many great people who are in this game, but we want to be able to add to that list of Black female list of Black female leaders, Black female coaches, Black female in the space. He, I just always want to thank you for being on, for being you, for being phenomenal, for representing us in a way where the word Black doesn't need to be used. You're a coach. You're a phenomenal coach. You're in this landscape doing a great job because you're good at what you do. We're going to get to a point where we don't have to use that word because we just have folks who are in the spaces doing amazing things. Representation's great. Equity's great. We still have a fight ahead. But because we have phenomenal examples like you, we're forging the way and getting further and further. So thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your voice. Thank you for your leadership. We love you and we can't thank you enough, Kia. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Again, thanks to Dean Linky. Thanks for United Soccer Coaches. This is just the start of our takeover. We'll be here for the next three weeks. So again, thanks from us to you. Back to Dean. Back to me, but only for a second as United Soccer Coaches collectively celebrates Black History Month with open arms, with inclusivity, with a mission to erase racism, be about equality, and love. And we're not done with Nicole Hercules, the chair of the Black Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group for United Soccer Coaches. When we return, she is joined by Kadani McAlpine, who won a national championship at Southern Cal and is now the new head coach for the Georgia women's soccer team. And Eric Bell, who has made the TCU women's soccer team one of the most dominant programs in the country. More Nicole Hercules with Kadani and Eric after these messages. Performance analysis is now recognized as having a crucial role to play in any coaching program. The United Soccer Coaches Performance Analysis Level 1 Special Topics Diploma 
will provide coaches with real-world examples of how analysis is being used to enhance the individual player development process and maximize team performance. Additionally, successful candidates will achieve level one accreditation as an applied performance analyst from the International Society of Performance Analysis of Sport. Register now by visiting the master course schedule on unitedsoccercoaches.org. Welcome back. We just heard from the amazing Kia McNeil from Brown University. Again, I want to thank Dean Linky and United Soccer Coaches for letting us take over the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Right now, we have a set of amazing coaches who we are so excited to have on the show today. I would like to now offer a warm welcome to our second set of guests. Eric Bell, who is a back-to-back coach of the year, back-to-back staff of the year, back-to-back league championship at TCU. We have the amazing Kadani McAlpin, the 2016 national championship winner, coach and staff of the year, and newly appointed head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs. I want to welcome the BSC Takeover and just thank you guys for joining me today. Thanks for having us, Nicole. Thanks, Nicole. Appreciate it. Well, great. So people don't know this, but you guys actually aren't just phenomenal coaches. You guys are good friends. You guys go back a while. So I wanted to start there. Can you guys tell me and everyone who's listening how you guys first met each other? That's a really good question. Yeah, like, I, that I, is. I'm that like, is. I was thinking about it. I was like, the only thing I could think of was on the road recruiting. Or, or, probably. But that was probably when you were still at Birmingham Auburn. Southern. Well, well, yeah, actually, Birmingham Southern first. And then when I went to right. Auburn... We started playing more. So, yeah, 2004, five, right. something like that. Yeah. Oh, so awesome. it's been a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So here's the thing. And I'm so excited to see you guys again because I just saw you guys a couple of weeks ago at the convention. It was so great catching up and, you know, planning how we're going to move forward with some of the initiatives for the Black soccer coaches. Are you guys aware of how in demand you are? How many people come up to me and they're asking, just they want to meet you, the younger coaches, how many people you're inspiring? You know, what does it mean to you guys to kind of be that for this next generation of coaches who are coming up, who are watching you guys and seeing, you know, Kadani's won a national championship. Eric is back-to-back league championship, both coach of the years, along with Kia McNeil. What that representation looks like for coaches of color and coaches that are coming up just across the landscape. What does that feel like to you guys to be an inspiration to this next generation of coaches? I feel more like it's a responsibility, right? It's a responsibility for us to... I guess not fail <laughs> so, that, <laughs> so that so that people after us have an opportunity. So I'm, I'm directly driven by that aspect of it and making sure that we don't fail. So others have an opportunity after we do and have more opportunities. So that's a, that's the biggest thing for me. I mean, I agree with Eric. I mean, I think there is a responsibility to make sure we're leading in a way that that everyone can not necessarily emulate, but can see. Um, I think I was impacted. I, I look back to my youth and I was coached by Haitians, Jamaicans, Africans. And, and so I got to visibly see and interact with somebody that I could look up and respect and, and, and want to emulate. And so I think that is our responsibility to make sure that we do well enough to inspire, but at the same time, close enough to touch, close enough to talk to and bring them along. Oh, wonderful. And, you know, that's interesting to me. Like, I didn't have a Black coach until I was in college. Well, Kadan, I know you from the youth age, you had Black coaches. Eric, did you have Black coaches growing up? I had one in the youth age and one in high school. 
That's a yeah, lot. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was far and few between, you know, those opportunities to, to work with guys that look like me were very important. Yeah, I know for me, I'm still close to Coach Kelly Kenibanda um, to this day, who was my coach at the University of Albany. It was the first time that I had a coach of color, and it was um, it was amazing. It was different. You know, it felt like home a little bit, so sure. definitely a different feeling. Because I have so many coaches who blow my phone up wanting to speak to the two of you and get, you know, how can we learn from these folks? And you both speak to the importance of mentorship. What does mentorship look like today? And you know, what's the role that you wanted to play for you? With me being the mentor or being the mentee? I'm still looking for more more and more mentors, you know? Um, but no, uh, I, I think the biggest thing is I try to, I try to at least get back to people. And, and if they reach out, I, I, try to, I try to touch as many people as I can if they reach out. You know, I don't get them all. You know, I encourage people to, if they have a question, just come ask me. You know, we're human. We're, you know, we're, just, just come ask me. I'm right there. Um, especially when not recruiting and whatnot, but there are quite a few that that I stay in pretty regular contact with and, and trying to get them to that next level. And I think for, for me, the, the importance of lifting the next person to that next level in the game so that they can then, so that there are more of us, so that, you know, we spread out the workload of the mentor is something I look forward to. I'm very interested and open to mentoring. I think that my presentation for some odd reason, because I'm tall, or whatever makes me seem as though I'm unpro- unapproachable, and I'm I'm a great guy. I'm just I'm a great guy, and I'm pretty open to everybody. I think I think people just have to get to know me. And when I'm on the road, well, I'm 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 pretty focused on business. You know what I mean? But I think that uh, the people who know me or have no issues with stopping me and just chit-chatting because I, I love to do that as well. But when we're on the road, we, we, there is a business aspect to it. But I'm very interested in helping out the younger coaches and very open to it. And, you know, over the course of the last year or so, I've had some very good conversations with some of the younger coaches that in the college game that um, are looking to improve themselves in a lot of different ways, whether that be just as coaches or just getting better jobs. I'm very open to it and I want to do more and trying to figure out ways in which I can do do more of it. Eric, I think just your presence was awesome because like we see Kadani a bunch, but to see you at a bunch of the different events and you were there and you were present. And for me, I was watching all the 30 under 30 folks and all these young coaches and the way they looked at you too. We had a group of coaches at our open meeting who all stood up and, and the look of shock at how many black <laughs> coaches were out there. Like we know it, you guys know it because you're out sure. there. You guys know how many black coaches we have. But for some of the coaches who are up and coming, they, they, they're just not used to being that close. So for me, I think that was probably my favorite part of the convention was just looking at the hope and the inspiration that this next generation has, seeing not only Black coaches, but successful Black coaches. You guys have been successful. They can see it, so now they can be it. And they're talking to you. They're able to get some of that energy, some of that essence that's coming off of you guys. And I have another question, because you guys also, the importance of having a proper network. You guys have had some really good role models. Who played the role for you that you are now playing for this next generation? Because you guys, you, your network is no joke. <laughs> Yeah, I think that I think your network or your, the people that you're connected to is very important. And I always thought as a younger coach, you wanted to be around people that can promote you to to do bigger and better things. And I've been fortunate, very blessed to 
have been able to work with some really cool head coaches that have been very successful. And the last two being Mark Corian at Florida State and Janet Rayfield at Illinois. Small names. Um, yeah. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> at all. <laughs> One of the most winningest coaches in the game. Small names. Small names. <laughs> You know, I, I talk with them quite often and obviously Mark more a little bit more than Janet, but you know, Mark's like my big brother. I talk to him probably two, three times a week at, at, the, at the least. I bounce a lot of different things off of him, but my mentors in the game have been great to me and have helped me in a lot of different ways, not in just soccer, but just in life, you know, and I think that's also very important as well. Wonderful. How about you, Kadani? Yeah, I'd say the same thing. I think lots of people had lots of different points in life, right? You know, Karen Hoppe being the one that, that really exposed me to how to run a proper Power Five program. You know, her longevity is unbelievable. And it's because, you know, she's she's exceptional in managing her program. But I also think back to my my very first, you know, boss, so to speak, uh, Lauren Eka Shepard and her influence of recognizing how to use your people, how to navigate on-campus politics and things like that. You know, little little things and little pieces. Aston Roden being my youth coach, then also turn colleague in the game. And so, you know, could always call on him. And so there, there's so many people like that along the way that you come across. It always lifts you up. It always reminds you of, of how important your role is to the next person. And I've been blessed in that way. And I think it's an important point, too, because I think a lot of our coaches think that because we're the black soccer coaches group that you can only network with black coaches. But <laughs> essentially, you can make relationships with folks all across this landscape, and it's very important to do so. We just celebrated our 25th anniversary as the Black Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group, and we're really happy to have you guys there. But you guys have been around for a little bit, not too long because you're still super young, super young. <laughs> but um, you, guys, right. you guys have been around for a little bit, so... What would you say has changed the most and what would you like to see more from our group? And I'm listening. I'll take some notes. What has changed? What has changed the most? What yeah. definitely in the last more, 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's more. There's more of us. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that I was really pleasantly surprised to see the number of black coaches at this convention as compared to, you know, way back in the day in the late 90s when the organizations just started. So that's been a big change and obviously more representation. Having opportunities, whether it be doing sessions, whether it be presenting, having more people within the, the United Soccer Coaches Association doing more things and having more people of color, or more black people having a say in the, in, the, in the room and opening up people's eyes to different different ways of thinking. And I think that's that's super important. Donnie, how about you? Yeah, I, I agree. You know, obviously the, the sheer numbers of people at the convention this year was exceptional to see. I think what we've seen in the last few years in particular is, is an uptick in engagement, especially in younger coaches, right? And, and, mm -hmm. and that part has been extremely delightful to see because now you're touching so many more places. But I think we're also starting to see and, and recognize our network in the sense of there are people in different levels. They're in the levels. We just don't have enough of us. We're, we touch a lot of places. Um, so I, I agree. We still have to. We still have work to do. We have to get more people in, in in the leadership spaces. More people on the boards. More people that are helping to to shape the landscape for not just ourselves, but for the youth. For, the, for every layer and aspect of of our growing soccer culture here in, in the U.S. and abroad. Right. And so there's so many areas that still need help that I think the more people we can get into those top spots, the view expands. And that's exactly what we need. 
having our 25th anniversary celebration at the national office was powerful on so many levels. One, we had 24 sessions that were just dynamite. Kadani, you're on a panel with Lauren, Sammy, Boltang, and Marsha Harper, and it was phenomenal. You know, I talked about Eric's session, but we had 24 amazing sessions that people were able to glean amazing information for that were just high level and top notch. And I think going into that national office and for our young coaches to see all the different walls, the people who were in leadership, and not to see many Black faces, but to take that as a challenge and an opportunity for what they can do especially in 25 years, speaking about all the successes we had, especially because we were so successful last year, so many coaches of the year, so many league championships at every level from high school to youth. It just showed these coaches that we are successful in this game and that we're in it at every level, as you said. And I think our open meeting was also really powerful because we talked about the pipeline that's been created in the last couple of years. A lot of times people think our group is inactive, but we've been so active that we have people in influential places from the top down, and we have people who are ready for, and if they're not ready, that we're going to develop to be the next president of United Soccer Coaches, to, to sit on some of these boards, to sit on some of these chairs. So I know when I saw kids walking in and they were looking at the wall and they didn't see black faces, but they were at this social and they can see all of these amazing people who are doing amazing things. I saw the inspiration. I saw the fire. It was awesome. It was awesome as you're hearing the voice of Nicole Hercules, the chair of the Black Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group, as we dedicate the next three shows of February to Black History Month and several fantastic guests being joined by Nicole Hercules. Right now, she's with Eric Bell, the top man at TCU for the women's team, and Kadani McAlpine, the top man now for the Georgia Bulldogs women's soccer team. We'll take a quick break, and Nicole will be back with Eric and Kadani. United Soccer Coaches would like to thank all 2022 convention attendees, exhibitors, presenters, and volunteers for reuniting in Kansas City. You can relive all of the special moments from the awards banquet and All-America ceremony and reception by watching the recordings now available on unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Remember to save the date for the 2023 convention in Philadelphia, January 11th through 15, 2023. We're going on into our second part of our 15 minutes here with you two amazing folks here. So I kind of want to get it more into last season because that was really important with how successful that you guys were. Eric, I want to start with you. You have turned TCU into a winning program. Can you tell me about the past couple of years for uh, TCU women's soccer? Give us a little insight into how you started to turn that program around the way that you, you have. Since well, you just so that you know, and I say this to recruits all the time, I wasn't the first, second, fourth, fifth choice they wanted here at TCU. I, I will say that and I'll continue to say it. They wanted a sitting head coach. And for some odd reason, the people that they were talking to, it didn't work out. And so I think I was near the top of the list of assistant coaches. And I looked at this place as a gold mine. It's in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Great weather, great facilities, great school. And I knew that it's almost like if you can build it, they will come type of deal. Mm -hmm. And if we were able to do it right, well, I think that we could be, I thought that we could be really successful. First couple of years were really hard and they sucked and we weren't very good. <laughs> and I, I was questioning why I came here. <laughs> um, but then, you know, we started to turn it around a little bit and started to win a couple more games. In our fifth year, we made it to the NCAA tournament for the first time in program's history. And then uh, we've been back to the NCAA tournament six years in a row now two conference championships and 
we were in a really good spot, but that's based on a lot of hard work, not <laughs> for sure, not only by me. I have a great staff and every remiss if I didn't mention Ryan Higginbotham, who's been with me since day mm-hmm. one. He's done a tremendous job here. And uh, we have a great staff with Tom Serratore as my goalkeeping guy. And they do a really good job for us. And, you know, now it's about seeing if we can keep it going and go from there. And hopefully we can, you know, win a, a national championship like our good friend Kadani. <laughs> Eric, <laughs> I, have, I have to it's say It's coming. <laughs> and I have to say this. Every time I see you now, like Drake's back-to-back just plays. Cause <laughs> it's like going back-to-back. Yep. Like, yep. I thought you were, were going to say it started from the bottom and now we're here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't play any of those songs. I love it. And then, Kadani, for you, um, you just ended your this legendary time at USC as a coach of the year, staff of the year. So they had to be bittersweet, but it also had to just be wonderful just to kind of go out with this amazing group that you put together. How was that for you? A whole lot of bitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving a group like that. Um, I mean, yeah. I enjoyed my time. We were able to do some amazing things there. Um, you know, Jason, my associate head coach, Jen, when she was there, and now Sammy. Ian as our goalkeeper uh, person and, and Carlos the director of ops, we, 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 we had a good run. And I think, you know, when we got there, they were 10th and 11th in the Pac-12 the two years prior. We had to create some belief. We were able to, to, to get some people to buy into the possibility. Um, and, and similar to Eric, you know, you, you have an institution that, that people would, would want to be there. Um, but all things come to an end, I guess, at some point. There, there's some things that it just made it the right time to move on. I hate it because I, I think the group that we have there is probably arguably the, the most talented team we ever put together there in many ways and, and felt like, you know, we still have some runs in and I, I imagine they will do just fine doing what they do. But at the same time, you know, the combination of work, life, and the ability to, to come to a new program at, at Georgia and see even bigger possibilities ahead for that program, for this program, it's exciting. Me personally, it puts me in a situation where I can be around family. I can be close to a lot of friends and, and, and back in the, the region that I, I started in. And so um, there's a lot of positive to that. But from an institutional standpoint, from a support standpoint, a talent pool standpoint, it's a really amazing situation that I, I find myself in. Wonderful. So you are excited to be a Georgia Bulldog and to be in the SEC. Absolutely. <laughs> and actually, I just was thinking about this, but Eric, how inspirational was it to see Kadani win a national championship if he won one? I was super duper happy for him. You know, I mean, I, I knew that he had a really good team that year and they were able to get it done and can be more happy, couldn't be more proud of him. And, you know, the job that him and Jason and the staff did, it's incredible. So representation matters. And so he's raised the bar and hopefully I can uh, get there at some, at some point in time too. Awesome. And then Kadani, how awesome was it for you to see Eric win two back-to-back Drake's played in my head again? I, <laughs> I, you, I think, I think I was watching the game and I think I texted him actually while they were celebrating because you know, that the reality of, of where the program was to where it is and, and, and knowing how difficult it is to transition a program having been in it and seen the ground, like people don't necessarily understand, especially at private institutions sometimes, mm-hmm. what it really is versus what you think it is. And and to, to know what that grind felt like, I was I was dancing in my room. I was I was celebrating <laughs> because it, it, it's hard. And to see that kind of success is, is awesome. And I think that's one of the things I love about our group the most is I remember when you won your national championship, Daddy, and I remember 
there was a meeting with Daniel Gordon, who was the chair at the time, had folks praying, you know? So it's like <laughs> the way our group supports each other, whether you even knew it or not. I love that. And I love that, you know, the iron sharpens iron and you guys are both fired up and, you know, we look forward to what, uh, to what you both do next this year. But you both have diverse teams. Why do you think that is? You know, because Kadani in the past, you were able to form diverse teams. Eric, your team is very diverse. Your teams are so much fun to watch. Like I genuinely enjoy sitting down and watching your teams play. Well, how does you know, the, the representation and diversity impact how you, your teams play? How does that impact your players? How does that impact the rest of the league? I thought I, in my college experience was pretty diverse with the people that we had in our team from different countries and whatnot. And we had a couple cats from uh, Malawi and Norway and Sweden and all these different things. And I was pretty naive about certain things. And I think that, you know, having a diverse team definitely opened up my eyes to a lot of different things and cultures and ways of life and different ways of thinking. And that was very important to me whenever I became a head coach to create an atmosphere where it was diverse with people from all around the world and people of different hues and, and colors. And so it's important to me. The players know it's important to me and we will continue to have a diverse team as we move forward. And, you know, last year, with the whole George Floyd stuff going on, or two years ago now, I guess, you know, we had some really interesting and in, in conversations about it. And, you know, I know around the country, a lot of those conversations weren't being had. And it was, I felt I had a nice platform and enough knowledge to be able to moderate these conversations in a way that made sense, but also, you know, giving people an opportunity to, to be heard. And I thought that was awesome. And so I'm, I'm blessed and thankful to have had uh, the opportunity to do that, to just create an open atmosphere of communication and a different way of thinking. Donnie, how about you? I, I mean, I completely agree. I, I think, you know, our first job is, is we, are, we are ambassadors to places of higher education, a group of people that are racially diverse, socially, economically diverse, geographically diverse, spiritually diverse, um, sexual orientational diverse, politically diverse. You, you, you create an atmosphere that can, can help people see that it's possible to, to live in the same space, be move in a similar direction, not necessarily agree on all the topics, but, but have open and honest dialogue and conversations about, about the realities past sport. And, but sport, you know, sport is the avenue by which we can recreate this, this culture. And I challenge them anytime we have these conversations to, to, now take that same openness out into the world and continue to have the conversation. And I think, you know, that's one of the, 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 the benefits of having teams that are, are very, very diverse. Um, I, I think on the field, um, it, it, for, for all of us, it changes some of the stereotypes by which, you know, black kids, you know, are labeled by some of the other groups are, are labeled by and, and, and gives them an opportunity to showcase themselves in a far more comfortable situation. And if it was anything like, my collegiate experience, I was the only black person. Yeah, we had a couple of other um, nationalities, but I was the only black person. It gives them, many of them, a chance to have an experience that they haven't had. And for me, that all, that is also important um, to create experiences that are different, not just for the, the quote unquote minority players, but those other players shift roles sometimes. You know, right. they then become the only person in the room and thus have an appreciation for that experience in itself. And so um, I, I think it's, very, very important. Um, and so we will, we too will continue to do that work. And you guys already spoke to the question that I had on why and how diversity and representation matters. Is there anything else that you'd like to add on that? 
that you didn't just put into what you just said? Now we have uh, young black girls in our stands that can look up to some of the players that we have on our team and be like, man, I can be, I can do that. I can be like them. Uh, that's mm -hmm. awesome. That is really cool. Yeah. And um, we have to keep on paying it forward. We have to continue to do that. I love that you guys do that work, that you guys step up to make sure that any gaps that you see that you're stepping in to kind of make sure that you're filling them. What's work still needs to be done? What can we still do? We aren't perfect. You know, obviously <laughs> our world isn't perfect. Um, I've made mistakes and, and, and people make mistakes, but I think the work is, is continuing down the path to create hopefully new leaders to spread out the work in, in different neighborhoods and create more conversations and um, hopefully continue to, to push the boundaries of what's possible and not just here in the States, not just at the collegiate level, but as youth, as professionals in, in the world abroad. And so um, I, I think that's the work. It's, it's continuing to, to, to put people out there that can continue to shape our world. Representation matters. And the more people that we have that out there that look like us can change opinions and minds, I think is very important. You know, slowly but surely we're doing that, but I'm hoping that we can, it can happen a little bit faster, not for just us, but for everybody. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we're wrapping up our time here on our United Soccer Coaches, Black Soccer Coaches Takeover. And so the last question I have for you guys is for all the people who are listening, and we're going to have amazing viewers from all different backgrounds. How can everyone who's listening be a part of positive change? Be open. Be open to, to, to understanding different viewpoints. Not necessarily that you have to change your mind, but be open to hearing, listening, understanding. And, 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 and both ways, that conversation has to go both ways. And I, and I think the more we can do that, the more we'll be able to truly get to a place of at least common ground, mm -hmm. not necessarily agreement, because, you know, let's be real, the, the beauty of our country sometimes is also the curse of our country. It's, it's that mm -hmm. we have a lot of opinions, but um, that we have to welcome them. We, we have mm -hmm. to welcome difference. And I think if you, if we can get to open and honest and, and um, look for a common space, then I think the world will, will, the world will be better. And, and as coaches, we'll continue to grow. As players, we'll continue to grow. Our game will continue to grow. But more importantly, as people, we'll continue to grow. Oh, well said, preacher. Wow. I, don't know, I don't know how I can follow that up. Besides, <laughs> well said. But I think we have to also embrace change, right? We have to embrace that. And um, if we're able to do that more often than not, we're going to grow. We're going to grow. And I know for me, especially, change is hard. You get, you get comfortable. <laughs> you, get, you get in your routines and you, you, know, you fight change. But I think change is healthy. And if you can continue to evolve and change, I think that's what life is all about. So, you know, be prepared to have these difficult conversations and listen, but also be prepared to change. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you guys being on our show today. The second part of our amazing first takeover session. You guys do work that's tough. You guys do work that makes us recognize that one day the word black will not be in front of coach because you guys are just the top coaches. You guys are top coaches in this game. Your professionalism, the way that you guys have just been champions winning on and off the field. You represent us and the world of soccer so well. We'll continue to lift you guys up and encourage you guys, but we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all that you do, all that you give to the game. We can never thank you guys enough. So thank you again for joining us today. 
Shout out to Dean Linky. Shout out to United Soccer Coaches. We love you. We appreciate you. It's Black History Month, so Nicole Hercules has lined up incredible guests for this week's show, next week's show, and the week after as we celebrate Black History Month together. And remember, United Soccer Coaches is indeed the home for everyone, all-inclusive. That includes the Asian Pacific Islander Coaches Advocacy Group, the association's newest advocacy group, led by the highly successful Ashu Saxena, who's an accomplished author, among other things. He wrote the book, Soccer Strategies for Sustained Coaching Success. He is also the podcast host of the Well-Rounded Soccer Coach. He has been on before with some superstars, and he provided another superstar for this week's show, Kat Kasroyar, a research associate at the Baker Institute for Public Policy, Center of Energy Studies, getting her Master of Global Affairs. She has been involved with FIFA. She helped Haley Carter, who is the chair of the United Soccer Coaches Women's Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group, get many of the Afghanistan players out of Afghanistan recently. And her story is fascinating. From the API Coaches Advocacy Group, Kat Koshroyar, courtesy of Ashu Saxena, up next. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform. From robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations, League Apps saves you time and headaches. Less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, now presented by League Apps. I want to thank Nicole Hercules for kicking off the show as we dedicate the rest of the month to Black History Month. But as you know, United Soccer Coaches is all-inclusive. They're so thrilled not that long ago to welcome their arms to the API Coaches and Allies Group, which is chaired by the hugely successful Ashu Saxena, who is an author, a podcast host, an educator. He really does a little bit of everything, and he is going to be a great leader for the API and Allies Advocacy Group for United Soccer Coaches and Ashu Saxena was kind enough to give us another super talented person named Kat Kasroyar. She's a research associate at the Baker Institute for Public Policy, Center of Energy Studies, a Master of Global Affairs candidate, and she's already been involved in the leadership of API coaches and allies since the middle of the year, and she currently does some of the social media for us, among other aspects. She presented at one of their virtual meetings and connects us with prospective members here is more on her. She's a former Iran women's national team player and coach, a runner-up as AFC Coach of the Year, coached in the Rain FC Youth Academy, is based in Texas at the moment, and among other things, she assisted in relocating several young women's soccer players from Afghanistan to Portugal last year as the U.S. troops withdraw evacuation activity and Taliban takeover was taking place last fall. Kat's journey is a fascinating one around the globe. She is Dare Ashu says, more educated than most of the game. And I think that was his way of saying, Dean, you're in over your head on this interview, which I'll take on, Kat. But uh, that just starts to touch a little bit of the basis. Thanks so much for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. It is um, it's a, it's a pleasure speaking with like-minded people. 
that support not just um, you know football but women's football soccer sorry let's change it to soccer so tell me about your path so how did you find the Iran women's national team are your parents Iranian were you already over there tell us about that well, Iran was, um, you know, it, it was totally out of the picture and it was nothing that I was actually trying to strive for. So it was honestly one summer uh, before my senior year in high school, I decided to travel to Iran because my father's Iranian to be able to, uh, you know, just to visit family. And as I was there, I was training with a local uh, futsal team and they uh, were kind enough to invite me to a lot of their pickup games. One thing led to another, uh, you know, there was a huge rumor going around all of Tehran that this American girl is playing and she's tackling us. She's, uh, you know, she's really tough. And uh, they, they, the Federation came and saw me and they recruited me immediately by saying that they are starting the first women's national team after you know, 40 years, between sorry, 35 years, and it was left for me to be a part of it and help make some big strides in, in the women's game. And I accepted. Off you went. So before that, you have all these degrees. Tell us everywhere you went to school. And, and I'm thinking you played soccer at some of these schools. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, these are big time degrees, but tell us your story, Kat. Well, I mean, coming from a uh, Iranian family, education is uh, the utmost uh, priority for uh, the first generation of American Iranians. And if you're not a doctor, you're an engineer. If you're not an engineer, you're a lawyer. So I decided to take the engineering route. When I moved to Iran, I didn't speak Farsi or read Farsi. So the best option for me was to go to Spain. I was there for about a year because I spoke Spanish and I did my first year of chemical engineering there. So you know, not only was I you know, in a different country that I've never been to, but I was speaking Spanish studying chemical engineering. Right after my first year, I decided to move to the UK where I could continue my chemical engineering degree in English. So I finished my master's there about 2012. And um, you know, I worked in the oil and gas space for a good like seven, eight years until I decided I wanted to get another master's in uh, global affairs, which I'm doing that currently at Rice University. So that's incredible. So then when during that time and how did you find time to also work in coaching? As I mentioned, you were with the Rain FC, you were a runner up as AFC coach of the year. How did coaching fit into that mix, Kat? Well, I was tapped on the shoulder, um, you know, in the beginning of my 20s. And uh, FIFA kind of recommended to me that if I were to take on the coaching courses, I could, you know, have a huge impact on the women's game in Iran. And whenever you hear that as a young 20-year-old, you know, you, you take advantage of it. So AFC and FIFA, they they sponsored me for about six, seven years to get my coaching education program. And the best part of it was, you know, my classmates. For example, Soon Wen, who was FIFA player of the century, she was a in my class. And I had, you know, some of these trailblazing women from Asia in my class and you know, I was learning from them. So I, I did really good in my coaching courses. I was, you know, top three. And I tried to bring that some mindset to Iran and, you know, kind of help shape what we see today, which is a revolution of women's soccer happening in the country. Well, I want to get to what you're doing for a shoe and API, but another fascinating little nugget here that he shared is the fact that you also are very involved in women's empowerment, a big topic these days. Apparently, you've already spoken with Cindy Parlo-Cone, who I've known forever at U.S. Soccer. And between those two, you know, everybody agrees good things are bound to happen. Talk about the importance of making a difference in women's empowerment. In fact, you were scheduled to speak, but then got called in to coach with Iran. Your topic at the convention was going to be women's empowerment around the globe and API contributions to the world's beautiful games. What a great topic. And, it, you know, if you're going to miss it for something, it's 
it's kind of cool that you missed it to join the Iran women's national team, right? Oh, yes. I mean, the API has given me a great platform because when I moved back to the U.S., I didn't know, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a community of people that, you know, are, are you know, understand my, my background, understand, you know, the importance of, you know, women's football in the region because in the U.S., you know, women's soccer is probably the most important sport for women, uh, starting from a very, very young age. And uh, when I found my community within the API at ASHU, you know, so kind to introduce me to Cindy Parlow, I knew that it was a good springboard to, you know, helping develop more opportunities for women, not just in the U.S., but also across the globe. But this U.S. obviously has a, a great benchmark, and I wanted to help you know, other countries reach the same um, ability. So I now want to dive into how you help the Afghanistan players withdraw and get safe in Portugal. Haley Carter, who is the chair of the Women's Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group, I imagine you helped her as well. How did you get involved in that incredible cause? And uh, I'm pretty sure everybody got out safe, right? Well, not everybody, but a good uh, a good amount of the youth national team and senior national team. So Haley and I, you know, we worked parallel, but um, you know, it's the importance of uh, you know that teamwork was that the magic happened. I mean, Haley, because she was the assistant coach, you know, she, uh, you know, she was a, you know, she's the was she went in full force, and were was able to successfully get a lot of players out. And I knew uh, one of the captains of the Afghan national team, and she was in touch with the youth national team. And, uh, you know, just one thing led to another that, you know, we were able to, to help these young ladies, you know, come out and, you know, live a, live a life and start a new life and be able to play soccer without looking behind their shoulders. The way I remember it, Kat, it truly was like all hours of the night as well, right? I mean, you got you and Haley and a few other people that were helping. It was whatever it took. Is that, is that correct? Yes. Yes. I mean, it was, uh, we were on edge, uh, you know, all, every day, all day. We were not going to stop until we, you know, got the girls out. And you know, I might have not ever met these uh, young ladies, but fortunately, you know, being from Iran, I was able to speak, you know, the same language as them. And uh, they, you know, they found, um, you know, confidence in the fact that we were doing our best to get them out. And at the end, you know, it's a, it was a very difficult situation. I don't, I've never worked on anything like this before, and it was a life and death situation. And uh, this, you know, goes to show that soccer brings the world together and the people like Haley and her team and then, you know, the, the people that helped our team as well, they were able to make this happen. And it's just it's very significant for uh, the role of women's soccer on a global scale and how you know, it, it changes lives, to be honest. It's interesting, Kat, and this is going to sound somewhat sycophantic, but it's just from my heart because your background is amazing. But you know, a shoe on his signature. He talks about a podcast, the well-rounded soccer coach. I mean, you're beyond well-rounded as you're looking to get another oh. master or master of global affairs and, and everything you've done. I mean, how do you, how do you find time to give of your time so willingly to the API coaches and allies, as well as women's empowerment? To be honest, this is like, you know, this is my engine. It's, it's what keeps me going, knowing that, you know, Soccer, honestly, is used as a tool to make very big, impactful changes across the world. And I honestly find a lot of joy in it. And whenever you love something this much, you know, you're, you're willing to you know, put aside your sleep, your rest, and honestly, anything that gets in your way just to make these, uh, to have this profound impact on the, the women's soccer community on a global scale. And this is, you know, what I was set to do. I found my calling and I'm not 
and I love it. I'm just going to keep going for it. Well, and I also need to say that in addition to all of your education, all of your global travels, all of your degrees, your ability to step out in women's empowerment, your ability to step up for API, your ability to help those Afghanistan women, that's one thing. But then you're also hip and cool because according to Ashu, you're running the social media for the API platform as well, which that's way above my head. Talk about uh, that, that part of what you do as well. So, you know, whenever I, I moved to Iran, which represents, you know, the, the Asia within the Asian Football Confederation, I realized that there's a lot of, um, a lot of American Asians. And whenever, you know, Ashu found me, it was like, you know, a moth to a flame. It was immediate connection. And, you know, he brought me on. And I, I you know, from someone you know, as in, a, in the millenni millennial generation, the way to be able to connect with everybody um, on a large scale is through social media. And, you know, because we represent the Asian side, there's so many, there's so many holidays, there's so many significant days that, you know, people represent, uh, um, that people celebrate from that side of the world. And, you know, just to have that type of community is so important and to be able to, you know, keep you know, talking about it on social media has you know, honestly brought more people through the pipeline that they're like, oh my God, you look like me or you speak my language. And uh, this is all because of the soccer uh, community. And, you know, just to be able to find those connections and that network is awesome because people, you know, have another place where they can chat soccer and figure out how to save the world through soccer. Something like, you know, what Haley and I were able to do. Yeah, well, you're awesome. So I have to ask you this, as you are starting to get that Master of Global Affairs to go with all of your other degrees and, as you mentioned, engineering as well. You know, you talked about being involved with FIFA I know soon when, as I was the press officer for the first Women's World Cup team in 91, and that was around in 99, so that, that obviously is a big name. So I guess what I'm leading to, Kat, is when all this is done, and I see you in a role maybe with FIFA or, you know, with world sports or, or something, I'm not sure. What do, what do you think? Where are you going to be in five, 10 years, Kat? The goal is to go towards a um, global policy and on the governance side. I think that is, you know, a, a good position as far as you know what my background is uh, what my background is what I've done up until now and whether it's at FIFA or you know as the other branches within the football or soccer community that's you know what I'm trying to that's what I'm setting up to do and uh, you know it's it's soccer through and through I have to have it in my in my future you know I'm, I'm a retired player um, as much as I loved coaching I feel like I have a much bigger impact on a policy side. So if I heard you correctly, with all of these degrees, you do plan to stay involved in soccer in some capacity, correct? Yes. And obviously Ashu is thrilled for that as well. How many languages do you speak, Kat? <laughs> More than I can count on my fingers, but you know, I'm, my background, it is uh, Iranian, but uh, you know, I speak Azerbaijani, Spanish, German, Luxembourgish, and you know, a few others that I like to surprise people with. And so could you say like, Thank you to United Soccer Coaches in Iranian or whatever language they speak, or is that out of your... Yes, yes. yes. Um, so, so thank you to uh, the United Soccer Coaches. Is that what you yeah. want to say? Yeah. That's the United Soccer Coaches. That is awesome. <laughs> what a talent. If people want to follow your path, are you out there on social media, Kat? Can people kind of follow what you're up to? Yes, of course. Uh, my Instagram handle is at Kat, K-A-T, dot Kosro. K-H-O-S-R-O. -O, and my Twitter handle is Kat 
Kosraiar. I know it's a little difficult, but there's not that many Kosraiars out there. And even if you phonetically spell it out, you'll find me pretty easily. I know for a fact there's not many cat Kosraiars out there because you are a special <laughs> talent. Thanks so much for sharing your leadership on women's empowerment, also your leadership with API and Ashu and of course, stepping up for those Afghanistan women with Haley Carter and others. What a great story. As Ashu said, you are a world traveler that's going to make an impact on the world. And he said it best. So thanks so much for being a part of our United Soccer Coaches podcast, Kat. It was a, indeed a pleasure. Thank you for you know, hearing my story. This is such a wonderful platform for, for all coaches in the U.S. from all backgrounds and very happy to share my story. Thank you so much for giving me this time. Are you kidding me? What a story to tell. And I want to thank the chair of the newly formed API and Allies Advocacy Group, Ashu Saxena, for bringing us the incredible story of Cat. When we return, we wrap up the show meeting another member of our 30 under 30 class, the head men's soccer coach at Laterno University D3 in Eastern Texas, Colin Cohn wraps up the show after this message. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced diplomas for more information. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, now presented by Lee Gaps. We return to my favorite part of the show, getting to know another member of the 30 Under 30 class. I saw most of them at the convention. They were all recognized collectively on Friday night, and we are so pleased now to be joined by Colin Cohn, the head men's soccer coach at Laterno University in Texas. Colin, another great member of our 30 Under 30 class. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm uh, really excited to be able to do this and be able to, to share and just talk about my journey as a coach. I'm originally from Cameroon, West Africa, and I came came to the United States in 2009, where I attended Grace College in Winona Lake, Indiana, which is an NAI school. That's where I actually played, graduated, and then actually started my coaching career. So tell me about Cameroon. Well, your mom and dad, what did they do that uh, you grew up in Cameroon? I'm actually a third generation missionary kid. My parents parents actually worked overseas in the Congo, the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Um, and then that's where my parents ended up. And so that's actually where I was born. I was born in a little village in the middle of nowhere, Africa, um, and then ended up attending an international school in Yaoundé, Cameroon, which is where I spent a majority of my life um, while my parents actually worked in the Central African Republic. So we actually moved quite a bit. But yeah, I spent most of my time in, in Cameroon. That's where I went to, to middle school and high school and then came to the United States, as I said, in 2009 after graduating high school. So you're telling me the whole time through high school, you never visited the United States at all? Or did you come over every once in a while to visit family? We came back every about four years. Um, we come back for about a year. Um, one time we actually came back for a little bit longer because of some uh, civil wars that broke out in the Congo. And so we weren't able to return home at that point, which is actually what led from the transition from living in the Democratic Republic of the Congo and then moving to the Central African Republic uh, was, was mostly due to war and some civil unrest. So that's pretty fascinating. And it sounds very noble uh, of your parents. Is that fair to say? You must be awful proud of what they have done over there for so long. Yeah, they're they're incredible. And they've just they've given up a lot of their lives just serving people. And and for me, growing up in a in a faith-based home, a Christian home, that's been a big part of my life. And it's actually a big reason why I coach and you know want to be a part of helping transform lives and 
just be involved in, in young people's lives, especially at such a critical point. I picture growing up over there the way it should be and the way a lot of coaches want it over here. I mean, Anson Dorrance always talks about it's what you do away from your team and practice. I'm picturing, you know, dirt fields and whatever you could use for a soccer ball, or, or is that not right? Is that what you did, Colin? Or Yeah, you're spot on. It was playing, <laughs> it was growing up playing barefoot. Um, it was the best way to make uh, friends. And uh, actually growing up, one of the one of the, the the balls that we'd always play with was just a bunch of plastic bags that people picked up off the road, you know, and they tied them together with some rope or some kind of a rubber. And we'd, we'd play for hours and hours on, on dirt fields, you know, red laterite dirt, something you'd see like in Texas kind of. And yeah, so it, it was a great experience. And that's what kind of grew the heart for, for soccer. And what position did you end up settling in in college? Uh, in college, I was a goalkeeper. Okay. So obviously, you know, goalkeepers well, do you have a goalkeeper coach at Letourneau as well? We have in the past, this past season, we didn't, I, uh, I actually would go out early before training sessions and things and work with our goalkeepers. Um, and then they would get incorporated into the training session as, as the players arrived. Okay. So tell me your path to Letourneau. Did you have some coaching jobs before Letourneau? Like I said, I attended Grace College, which is where I got my undergrad degree in sports management and education. And then while I, I got asked to join the coaching staff um, and got to coach under my previous coach, uh, Matt Hodgkin, who, who was recently at Bob Jones University and, and recently resigned um, to do some other career things. But that's where I started off my coaching as an assistant coach. Uh, and while I was doing that, I also pursued my master's degree. So I have a master's degree from Ball State University in physical education with a specialization in coaching. So yeah, I started there and I was there about four years. Uh, and then came down here to Laterno University, uh, just felt it was time to, to leave my own program and start learning. I think there's a lot of things you don't learn, you know, unless you're sitting in the seat and making some tough decisions and things like that. So that's what that's what drew me to the, the school down here. Sell Laterno to me. What division is it? What makes it special? Where is it located? Laterno is an NCAA Division three school. We play in the American Southwest Conference. Uh, it's located in Longview, which is East Texas. It's an incredible institution. It's a, it's a very high academic school, especially with engineering, all sorts of engineering. And then also we are, we're one of the top aviation schools in the nation. Um, so we have a lot of people coming here to become pilots, um, commercial pilots, or even mechanics uh, and things like that. Your greatest memory, whether it be a player or a coach or anything in the sport of soccer, what's been your greatest memory so far, Colin? One of the greatest was uh, getting to be involved in, in soccer, obviously in Cameroon. Um, and getting to meet a lot of the players that played on the national team and things like that. Um, and then also, I'd say, though, one of my fondest memories uh, was probably in college. Uh, I played at Grace, and we never won a conference championship when I was there, but we got close. Um, and come my last season at, at Grace as a coach, we ended up winning the, the conference championship uh, and went to the, went to the national tournament. Um, and so that was, that was a really special thing for me, you know, being an alum. Uh, and then and then spending a lot of time recruiting and, and coaching, um, being able to experience winning a conference championship was was super special. Great to be with Colin Cohn, the head men's soccer coach at Laterno University and a member of our 30 under 30 class. Were you in Kansas City and were you at the awards banquet on Friday night? Yeah, I was there. Uh, it was an awesome experience. I'd, I'd highly recommend it to everybody that's in coaching uh, to take time to do it. What's the best part about being a member of the 30 under 30, Colin? I'd honestly say just the, the opportunity to be able to, to network and meet people. The mentorship is, is huge. I have an awesome 
awesome uh, mentor. It's Nate Hauser, who's the head coach at Baker University, and he's actually the the coach that uh, coached against our team in the national tournament. Actually, eliminated us from the national tournament. So kind of ironic that uh, he's our my mentor. But I'd say I'd say the networking and the opportunities it gives and affords us to be able to to meet new people and be in the room with some people that maybe you, you wouldn't have the opportunity to get in a room with. If you've listened to my other interviews with the 30 under 30 members, I'm always interested in what you're thinking about down the road. The crystal ball question, I call it. Have you thought about where you want to be in 10 to 15 years, Colin? You know, I'm not somebody that that necessarily it matters to me necessarily to be a division one coach or division two coach or division three. I just I want to be in a place that cares about coaching winners, um, but also cares about the development of people. So I, I I more so care about that. I also care about being I'd like to be uh, up north at some point in my career. Uh, my my parents have retired to Indiana. And my, I have a lot of other siblings uh, that live in Indiana. My wife's from Indiana. Um, so I, I know the, the Midwest really well. And so we have a strong desire eventually to, to end up back home, quote unquote, I guess, and, and coaching up there. I, I just really like the NAI just because I, I played in it and spent time in the NAIA. Um, and I like the, the, the opportunity it provides to be able to coach quite a bit more you know uh, just because of rules and things like that but really just a strong desire to be further north um, near family um, but at a program that's that that wins and is successful um, but also just just cares about the development of you know the the well-rounded human being finally when you hear these three words united soccer coaches what does it mean to you as a young coach it means an opportunity uh, to grow and to realize that we're a part of a game uh, and a sport that um, is constantly evolving um, and that there's there's people out there like-minded that are trying to grow the sport um, and use it as a way to to impact people um, and that's the that's the thing I like about United um, that we're, we're all together um, and growing up internationally uh, it's important to me you know to involve people from all over the place and so, you know, United and, and, and then obviously the soccer coaching is, is, a, is a big part of our lives as well. I have one more because I find your story fascinating, particularly growing up in Cameroon. It reminds me of the 94 World Cup where I, I don't even know if you were born yet, but Cameroon was yep. in that, that World Cup and it was really cool. And then knowing what your mom and dad did and then now this commitment to get down to Texas, but maybe get back to the Midwest where I'm from originally. I totally understand the desire to do that. You know, as you think about what your mom and dad did and now what you're doing as a coach, what do you want your legacy to be, you know, 50 years from now as, as a leader in the game? Yeah, I, I, I want to be able to look back when I, when I retire, I guess, and I'm done coaching uh, to have uh, a bunch of players that I've coached that, that are able to say, Hey coach, my time playing for you, um, was more than just wins and losses. We won a lot and it was great experience, um, but we learned so much about life and, and being a good husband and a good dad and all those other things that, that I think, you know, probably matter more than just the wins and the losses. Um, and then the other thing is my, uh, my brother is currently in Cameroon and he, he has a, he started an NGO called Petrocor, uh, working with young women and, and young boys and helping with coaching education and things like that. So I, I, I have a strong desire to, to help him in any way he can. And that's back in Cameroon where I grew up, where there's a huge need for that. Soccer opens up so many avenues. And so I, I want to be able to look back and say that I, I was not only an impact here in the United States with my current players, um, but was also able to impact, you know, people that, that impacted my life uh, and in a country that impacted my life. Um, so that's that's. 
I think, you know, at the end of my career, I want to be able to know that I was a part of transforming lives. That's one of the best answers I've ever heard, Colin Cook. I really appreciate you being on and congratulations on being a member of the 30 under 30 class. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you for taking the time to, to speak. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.